I'm excited to share with you today a few thoughts on the role that our church can play in your faith and hopefully helping you grow in your faith. And uh, let me just kind of review a little of what we've talked about in this series called Stop Acting Like a Christian. This is actually week number five. And essentially what we've been talking about over the last four weeks is the fact that uh, we don't have a pressure uh, like society may put on us uh, to do things that make us Christian. But we are Christian because of who we are. Okay, so Christian is more about who you are than what you do. And so our focus sometimes drifts to, I've got to do all the right things and not do all the wrong things instead of worrying about becoming who God wants us to become. And so this series is kind of a cry for us all to say, let's become all that God wants us to become and stop focusing simply on the things that we're supposed to do because it's, as we've discussed, easy to do things we're supposed to do without being who we're supposed to be. And the only person that we're fooling is really ourselves and the people around us when the most important audience that we have is that of God. And so we've talked about that. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to us uh, specifically about what it means to become a Christian and what that process looks like. And last week, I started the journey through what comes after conversion. So after we become a Christian, what's expected of us? Um, and now here's where things get a little, a little tense because, um, as we talked about last week, there is a gap between who we want to be and who we know God expects us to be as Christians and who we sometimes really are. And we talked about the fact that we fall short, even if we try really hard to be who God wants us to be, that there's always this gap in our relationship with Christ that, that leaves us realizing how much we're in need of him to help us become who he's called us to become. And we talked about the fact that he's done for us so that we don't have to do so that we can get his righteousness instead of standing in our own righteousness. And so we talked last week specifically about the fact that we close that gap between who we want to be and who we really are by growing in our faith. And you remember we talked about the analogy um, of a baby as they begin to grow, they learn to take one step at a time. And so... Uh, Fittingly this week, just to illustrate for us all over again that we all make mistakes. If you are a Bulldog fan, uh, bear with me for a moment. Uh, recent news has hit that Todd Gurley has made a mistake and the Bulldog Nation is up in arms about it. And here's the reason Bulldog Nation is up in arms about Todd Gurley, the star running back for the Georgia football team. They're up in arms essentially because a man basically baited him. Speculation here, I don't know all the facts, but a man baited him to sign some autographs in exchange for some money, which violates NCAA sanctions and rules, and therefore he's been suspended indefinitely pending an investigation. Okay, Everyone's mad at the young man that baited Todd Gurley to sign autographs in exchange for money, for memorabilia, whatever that transaction looked like. And rightfully so. Okay, I'm not a huge fan of that guy who's simply trying to make someone stumble. Um, but we admit, right, if it's true, and final word will come out sooner than later, if Todd Gurley broke rules and he's been suspended according to the rules, then he made a mistake, okay? And it just highlights for me in my own life that no matter how great I feel like I'm doing at this thing called Christian, no matter how, uh, how celebrated I become, no matter how how far down the road I feel like I've become. I am not above making a mistake. 
And that mistake can cost me greatly. And those mistakes ultimately lead to a gap between who I want to be and who I know I should be and who I really am. Now, here's the thing that we need to realize is that in our Christian faith, we have an enemy. And that enemy is, causing, is trying to cause us to stumble. He consistently baits us. He consistently tries to trip us up. He consistently places things in our path to try to make us make choices that would be against who we want to be and who God's called us to be. His name's Satan, and Scripture tells us that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So uh, we're not above making mistakes. Someone is pursuing us and trying to cause us to make mistakes, and we have to fight, fight, fight with all the strength that we have to resist who we used to be, our old self, and stand in the new reality of who God's called us, and we've got to close this gap. Now, the, the most important thing that hopefully you walked away with last week is that closing that gap, which is growing in your faith, which happens one step at a time, is ultimately your responsibility. Ultimately, my responsibility. So I will hold account for my faith alone one day before a holy God based on who I became and how I lived my life and the decisions I made. And so it's easier for me to want to place that responsibility on someone else, namely the church, but I have to own my own faith and learn to start growing in my faith if I want to become everything that God wants me to become. Now, today I want to take it a step further, and I want to say that even though last week we made it clear that it's not the church's responsibility solely for you to grow in your faith, I want you to know that our church has nothing but a great desire for you to grow in your faith. And we've tried from the very beginning to create a culture as a church that's conducive to people growing in their faith. You know, a lot of what we do on Sunday mornings is uh, geared towards making an environment that is conducive to people, inviting people who have no church background, have little church background, who've been hurt by the church, who just don't like the church, and maybe they're not Christians, maybe they're checking out this thing called Christian, or maybe they're just anti-Christian altogether, but we've tried to create an environment where people like that can come and feel comfortable, feel like they can belong here, because we want to reach people for Jesus. And, and so many times, because we put a lot of emphasis on that, uh, our church uh, has been accused of not caring about people who belong to Christ and who want to grow in their faith. In fact, there's been some controversy, not a lot, but some controversy surrounding even our mission statement as a church. See, our mission statement as a church says that we exist as a church to make Christ known in the lives of people far from God. It's this reality that the church exists to proclaim the name of Jesus to a lost and dying world. And we have a responsibility, a huge responsibility, according to the Great Commission that Jesus left us in Matthew 28, to go into all the world and proclaim the good news of Jesus and make disciples. Okay, And so that involves, to a great degree, reaching people who haven't been reached before. But once they're here, the question kind of becomes, well, we're like, well what do you do with them? And, and, and where do they go from there? And, and how do they grow in their faith? And, and those are the questions that we receive a lot. And um, to, to me, to me, I want today, hopefully, to share with you just some simple things that our church does, uh, that the sole focus, uh, that the true heart behind 
even the very basic things that we do as a church are intended to help people grow in their faith, to take next steps, to become who God wants them to become, and to close the gap between who we want to be and who God expects us to be and who we sometimes find ourselves being in our worst moments. So let me refresh us with a, a passage of Scripture found in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we ended our time with last week. Um, and this is what 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 2, says. It says, Like newborn babies... Crave pure spiritual milk so that, it, so that by it you may grow up into your salvation. We're to crave pure spiritual milk so that we can grow up into our salvation now that we have tasted that the Lord is good. So when we come to Christ, when we have a conversion experience, if you've ever experienced that, you know how exciting it is. You know how good God is. You know how transforming following Christ is can be, that it's not just a mental decision, but it's a life transformation that happens, and Jesus makes all things new, and we taste that God's good. But then scripture tells us, Peter tells us here, that we are to crave pure spiritual milk so that we can grow up. In other words, we need to learn and feed off the very basic things in the faith. And we talked about how so many times we give grace to people outside of the church because they don't claim to follow Jesus anyway, right? And we shouldn't hold them to a standard that the church expects of its people. And we have grace for those people. But when it comes to people inside the church, so many times when we make bad decisions or we have bad moments and, and we don't live up to who we want to be and who we're expected to be, then sometimes there's not as much grace inside the church. And you remember we talked last week about the birth process naturally. If you've ever seen a baby be born, if you've been blessed to have a son or a daughter and you saw that process, you know that it's a messy process. It's a beautiful, beautiful process, but it's, it's messy. And we talked about in the church that we've got to realize that growing in your faith is sometimes a messy process. But sometimes it takes time. It doesn't happen immediately and overnight, but it takes time. It's a process and it can be messy. And we have to give grace to one another. We have to be there to support one another and, and catch each other when we fall and help one another back up. And so that's what our church has a desire to do. Let me read a couple more scriptures for you just to help you understand the importance of growing in your faith, which helps us close that gap. First Corinthians chapter number 13, written by uh, Paul that we talk about often. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. You ever get frustrated with grown adults who still act childish? You ever get just, just completely beside yourself because you have to deal with things in the lives of other adults that you typically only have to deal with when it comes to children? And you want to sometimes just say, stop acting like a child. And sometimes I feel like in the church, God will look at us and say, like, stop acting like a child, like grow up, become mature. It's time for you to grow in your faith and stop acting like you used to act when you first came to Christ. You've got to have a transition to a mature understanding and following of Jesus. And so it's important for us to, to grow up. And, and here's what I think growing up involves. I don't think so much that it's about head knowledge. I don't think that growing up and becoming mature in Christ means that you can quote more scripture than the guy next to you. I don't think that it means that you understand all the deep depths of theology um, and the original intended meanings of scripture and, and how we can apply those principles to today and and the different study habits that we have. All those things are important, and I'm not saying they're not important. But I think we become most mature in Christ when we actually participate 
in the mission of God in the earth. See, we have this transition when we first come to Christ where it's like, you know, feed me, feed me. I need you to help me on my own. And then we transition just like a regular child does into being able to feed ourselves. And so we go from consumers to contributors. And that, to me, is, is partially a way that we can recognize growth in the life of a person. It's when they, when they transition from a consumer experience with Christ, where everything's about what they can get, to understanding that Jesus came to give, and now they want to participate in his mission in the earth, and they give of themselves to help reach other people. And that process takes time, and it's messy, but when you get it and you understand the importance of being involved in the mission of God in the earth, particularly in the local church, that's when you really start growing in your faith. And that's when things just go off like light bulbs, and you realize and you understand, like, I get it now. I I understand why God has me on the earth and how he wants to use me to impact other lives. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. He says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Now listen to this. This is important. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? Was it through works? Did you, did you have to do all the right things and fix your life so that you could come to God and then, and then you could be in him? No, it was by faith, right? Just as we received Christ, which is by faith, continue to live in him, which is by faith. It's important for that faith to grow, but we've got to remember that it's that faith that drives our relationship with Jesus. Verse 7, rooted and built, it, and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So our church wants to, to help teach you to grow in your faith so that you can be thankful for all that God's done in your life and understand the importance of your faith in your relationship with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Remember last week we talked about one of the first next steps that we take to start growing in our faith is repentance. And we repent from our sins and we change and go towards Jesus and stop going towards sin. And that's important. But we can't stay there. We can't allow that elementary teaching to be the extent of our relationship with God. Um, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so the writer of Hebrews identifies some things that are elementary teachings, some things that, uh, that we need to be fed on. But it says, let us leave the elementary teachings and go on to maturity. My hope for you is that as you attend Synergy Church, for any length of time, that you will find yourself growing in your faith rather than maintaining a faith of a child when it comes to being a Christian. The thing that the thing that really breaks my heart would be that if, if, if I look back over 20 years in the life of our church and we were a church full of baby Christians who never grew in their faith, that would be the most disappointing thing for me because I believe that we've created a culture in a church where people can grow. And I just want to help you understand the culture that we're trying to create so that you can take some next steps and begin to grow in your faith. Next week, next week, we're going to talk about some personal disciplines. Okay, We're going to take this even a step further and go beyond 
the church to your own personal life and some things that you've got to grasp and get a hold of personally. Uh, things like studying your Bible and fasting and learning to pray and things that are so important to grow in your faith. But today, today, I want to talk specifically about things that our church offers, some steps that we offer, some opportunities that we offer that will help you grow in your faith and close the gap between who you want to be and who you know you should be and who you find yourself being from time to time. So, I've got seven next steps. And these next steps aren't magical steps. And just by taking these steps initially doesn't mean that you automatically become pure. I mean, become perfect. Remember that this is a process and sometimes it's messy and sometimes we have to find our way through the mess to become who God wants us to become. But, but I just have this belief in my heart that if we can help people take these next steps, help people take next steps, they'll begin to grow in their faith, take a next step and grow in their faith and become mature in Christ. Last week, we talked about the importance of baptism. The next step that we offer, just as a review for you, if you've never been water baptized, uh, your, your first next step has got to be to get baptized. Water baptism. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to declare publicly what Jesus has done in your life. It's a step of building your faith that allows you to stand firmly in who you are and identify with other believers so that you can begin the process of growing your faith. I believe that it's a first step of obedience. And, and here's a scripture in Acts chapter number 8, verses 36 and 38, uh, where a man named Philip, a follower of Christ, sees an Ethiopian eunuch who was uh, a leader in the Ethiopian culture, and he's sitting uh, up on a chariot, and he's reading the scripture, and he doesn't understand what he's reading, and Philip goes to him again to explain what he's reading, and listen to Acts chapter 8, verse number 36. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? That's the question I want us to ask ourselves today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, and you've never been water baptized, or you haven't been water baptized since you made a commitment, or since you received Christ, or since your conversion, sometimes we're baptized as children, and we have experiences, uh, essentially because our parents want us to have experiences, but we don't typically, a lot of times, understand completely what we're doing since you've been born again, since you've been saved, since you've accepted Christ. If you haven't been water baptized, the question for you is the same that the eunuch asks is, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? In verse 38, it says, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. It's an initial step for this eunuch who understood the importance of water, baptize, uh, water baptism and, and identifying himself with Christ publicly. It's an experience that will last with you forever. And so we talked about it last week. Don't want to talk about it a lot today. But if you've never been water baptized, that's the next step. It's a step that you need to take to begin to grow in your faith. Uh, the second step uh, that we encourage people around here, and you hear us from time to time, a couple of times a year, I'll even preach an entire sermon about this topic. Uh, a step for you in participating in our church that helps you grow in your faith Nothing scientific about it, nothing deep about it on a surface level, uh, but it's to invite someone, invite someone specifically to church. Now, hopefully at some point in your life, you will have the joy and the honor 
and the experience of leading someone personally to faith in Jesus, where, where you personally, one-on-one, have a conversation with them, and you begin to explain your story and what God's done in your life and what he wants to do in their life. And there in that moment, they make a decision to receive Christ. There's no greater feeling in all the earth. And I pray, I pray that you all experience that at some point and believe that God can use you to do that. But sometimes that's difficult and sometimes it's intimidating. And until we get there, until our faith is strong enough to get there, our encouragement is always invite someone to church. A coworker, a family member, a friend who in your life is unchurched, not someone from another church that you think will like our church better than their church. We're not trying to get people to change churches. Our goal is to reach people who haven't been reached. So who in your life doesn't know Jesus? Who in your life is not in church that you can invite to church? Now, we downplay this and act as though it's not that important. But I need you to know that when you invite someone to have an opportunity to hear the gospel message of Jesus and place their faith in, in Christ, that's evangelism. That's a really big deal. And, and if you've ever invited someone to church, you know that church is different for you that day. From time to time, I have people come to me before a worship experience begins, and they'll say, hey, you know, I've been inviting someone for so long, and, and um, like no pressure or anything, but they're here today, so don't mess this up. <laughs> like, don't embarrass me, and like, they better love this today. And I'm like, well, thanks. There's no pressure there. But what are they saying? They're saying church for me is different when I'm investing in someone and inviting them to come and experience something that I love. And I want them to have an experience that I've had. And so church becomes different for me. And what it does is it begins to stretch our faith and it begins to help us understand the importance of participating in the process by which people come to know Jesus and their lives are forever changed. And so we encourage people, find someone in your life and invite them to church. And you're like, I've done that and they haven't come. And there's people in this church that have invited the same people over and over for weeks and months and even years. And sometimes they just show up unexpectedly. And the joy that a person comes to me is like, I've invited them for months and they finally showed up. I didn't even know they were coming. In that moment, in that moment, they realize I played a part in the story of God for someone's life. And their life may not be changed in that moment, in that service. And the goal always is that a guest loves our church and wants to come back. Uh, that's a goal. That's, that's an initial goal for us as a church. We want people to have a good experience. We don't want them to feel condemned or judged or like they don't fit in. We want to create an environment where they do fit in. They want to come back and hopefully our prayers that they come to know Jesus personally because that's the most important reality that any of us can ever experience. And simply inviting someone to Jesus plays a huge, huge role in that. Here's a scripture that I like to share that just encourages me. It's John chapter 1 verse 41. It says, the first thing Andrew did after he met Jesus, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. I don't know why anyone would want to find something life-changing and not want to tell someone about it. And it's not like a guilt trip thing, like you have to do this or you're a bad person, but it's just realizing that for me to become all that God wants me to be, there's, there's a process of growing in my faith. And part of that is taking a step to begin to initiate becoming part, participating in the mission of God. And, and an easy step that we offer as a church is simply for you to invite someone to come. Now, I'll be honest, I've shared this before, but maybe you weren't here 
There have been churches that I've attended in the past that I didn't feel comfortable inviting friends to. Can we just be honest? I felt as though the church wasn't really um, geared towards people who weren't Christians and that if they came, they would feel like they didn't fit in and, uh, or something I was afraid weird might happen and they would just be like, y'all are just a bunch of freaks and I'm never coming back to this and that's happened to me before too. And so we intentionally from the beginning have tried to create cultures where you can feel comfortable inviting people who are lost to come to our church and they're not going to be freaked out. They're not going to feel like they don't fit in. Uh, but hopefully they can have a great experience. Perhaps for you, a first next step to begin growing your faith is just to find someone, ask a question, who in my life could I simply invite to church and start to begin the process of participating in the mission of God and the earth and understanding the importance that God wants to use me. He doesn't want to just do things for me. He wants, he wants me to begin to do for others and allow them to experience the things that I've experienced. And that's how we begin to grow in our faith. Uh, so so you got to get baptized. you got to invite someone. The third next step, and this is a step that uh, often doesn't feel easy. It doesn't feel like a natural next step. But here's the next step. Uh, start serving. Start serving. If you attend a church that you love, and you want to help others love a church that you attend, one of the best ways to do that is to begin to serve in that church and help create the church that you love so that other people can love the church just like you. A lot of times in a church atmosphere like we have, where a church is portable and a church meets in a gym, there's this thought, there's this thought. These people need me to do something and so I have to do something because if I don't, things won't get done and they can't even have church, okay? And people feel guilty about not serving and people feel guilty if they don't serve more than they serve. And, and a lot of times there's a tension there because the truth is, is we have environments where people need to serve and we have things that have to be done every Sunday morning for us to be able to offer a worship experience. And when someone gets sick and calls in, we've got to figure out how to make things happen. So there's a tension there that people feel, but here's the tension that I want you to feel. If we're going to become more like Jesus, it has to involve serving. Okay? Jesus set an example for us to serve others, and it's, it's kind of a non-negotiable. If you want to become mature in your faith, you will serve other people. Now, you don't have to serve in this church. You don't have to serve in a church. I'm not saying specifically that you're going to you know, not, never grow in your faith if you're not serving in this specific church. But, but here's what I know. For us to create service opportunities in our own personal lives... It's sometimes difficult to identify opportunities and step into those opportunities and be effective serving in those opportunities. What we believe is that when we serve together, we can have a greater impact than when we serve alone. And so we intentionally create environments for you to serve so that you can take a next step to begin growing in your faith. And here's, here's what I know. You ask people that serve at our church, we call them Team Synergy. A lot of them are wearing the red t-shirts today when you came and you saw them. A lot of those people would say, you know what, there are times where I feel tired from serving. 
There are times when my serving feels more like something that I have to do, and there's not a joy that comes from it. But I can guarantee you this. Even in the moments where we feel tired and we feel worn down and we feel like we're doing something just because it's necessary or we have to do it, you let someone accept Christ. You let someone's life be changed. You let someone experience the joy that the church offers. And all of a sudden, that person who felt tired and weary and and felt like they were just going through motions and doing things because if they didn't do them, they wouldn't get done. Now they begin to kind of stick their chest out. They're like, hey, I was a part of that. You know, it may not feel important to you that you helped put a smile on someone's face when they pulled in the parking lot. Listen, we don't, we don't need people to help you park this morning. You know that, that there's plenty of parking spots out there and you could find a spot for yourself. But, but hopefully when you saw someone out there that, that gave of themselves enough to get up early on a Sunday morning to come stand out in a parking lot with a bright vest on just to try to say hello and help you have a good experience that's a big deal. That's someone who is beginning to understand that they can give of themselves to others. I could go down the list from people who change diapers to people who help set up on what we call our road crew to people who do production type things to people who um, preach on stage or whatever that looks like. We don't think that any opportunity to serve is greater than another. We simply want to give you opportunities to serve. And here's why I think it's important. Matthew chapter 20 Verse 26 and 28, Matthew says, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you want to close the gap between who you want to be and who God's calling you to be, and who you really are in your worst moments, begin to serve others. Because in itself, it makes you more like Jesus. Because Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Now, if you have church history, if you grew up in the church, you know that churches offer a lot of things for people. There are churches that have dozens if not hundreds of ministry opportunities for people and sometimes it feels as though church can be this this menu by which we say you know what would I like to uh, what would I like to participate in in this church and this isn't a church that's like that you just need to know that we intentionally offer few opportunities for people to get involved because we want to make it as simple as possible for you not to always get something from the church but for you to become part of the mission of the church and give to others because that's what Jesus did. And so when we offer you opportunities to serve on Team Synergy, when I say on the back of your connection card are opportunities for you to take a next step and get involved by serving, and we would love to give you information about that. It's not me just going through rituals, and it's not me trying to guilt you into doing something because we're not going to make it without you. It's me genuinely having a heart to say, I want people to grow in their faith, and that involves serving of some kind. And I just want to help you take some next steps to begin a life of service. Because when you realize it's not about me, it's all about Jesus, and what can I do to help further his name and be a blessing to others, you begin to grow in your faith. And you begin to become who God wants you to become. We get baptized, we invite someone, we start serving. Number four, we join a synergy group. We join a synergy group. 
You've heard us. We've already begun a semester. We do semester-driven groups for 10 to 12 weeks. We started a semester back in September. It's already begun. It's not too late for you to join certain groups. If you want to join certain groups, we'd love to get you involved. But here's the... Here's the precedent that was set for us by the early church, and and you need to understand this. Acts chapter number 2, verse number 46. It says, every day, can you imagine being part of this church? Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You wanted to be a part of the early church, the the first church that was ever birthed back in the very beginning after Jesus ascended to be the Father and and the disciples waited for a gift of God. It was the Holy Spirit and then Peter stood up and 3,000 people were added to the church in one single day and then the church from that point began meeting every day, every day in temple courts and in homes and they ate together and they fellowshiped together and they had relationships with one another. Church was a place where people belonged, where they developed relationships, where they were connected with others because they understood the importance of being connected. We're better together. There's something that you offer me and there's something that I offer you that helps you grow in your faith. And so many times it's easy for us to attend a church but not really know people in the church. And it's easy for us uh, to not want to take a step and for, for lots of great reasons. Life's busy, we don't have time. Or, or we just, the idea of going to someone's home that we don't know is, is just a little intimidating for some of us. And what if we don't really connect with the people that are in our groups? And what if, what if we don't really like what the group's doing? There's lots of reasons for us not to take the step. But here's the reality, is that when we take a step to get into a group, we begin a process by which we can grow in our faith. It's a, it's a step that we offer, not because, like, you just have to do something. You're a church. You've got you to either offer Sunday school or small groups. But it's intentionally because we want people to have a, as our church grows and becomes bigger, to have a sphere in their life, a circle of people that they're connected to. It doesn't matter how many people come to the church. If you've got a group of people that you're connected to, the church is going to stay small for you, and you're still going to find your way and have your place. You're going to be cared for. You're going to be encouraged. People are going to weep with you when you cry. People are going to celebrate with you when you're happy. It's an important step for us to take, and we offer groups every semester. And there are people every semester that don't take that Step, and that's okay. We don't pressure you to take those steps. But I need you to know the reason we offer those groups isn't so that we can like brag about any kind of numbers, but it's because we genuinely want you to experience a faith that is growing and becoming mature. So even now, even though we're halfway into a semester, if you would say, you know, I just feel like I should take that next step and find a group that I can get involved in now, we'll help you find that group. And then when January comes around and you begin hearing about the next semester, you can begin to identify the specific group that you would love to be a part of and get the best experience out of. Life is better together. We are better together. And when we live life together, we grow in our faith. A next step that we offer, and this is often tense in the church, but I believe is one of the most important steps that we can take is to begin giving. And you know, we talk a lot about giving of our time, 
and giving of our talents, and those are extremely important, but specifically giving financially helps you grow in your faith. You may not see it initially as growing in your faith when you begin giving. But when you begin giving, something changes in your heart. And you become more like Jesus. Here's the type of giver that God is. He gave his one and only son, his perfect, sinless son. He gave for you and for me to be sacrificed and crucified and to, and to bear the sin of the world. That's how much God loved you and loved me. That would, he would give his very best. And so the Bible outlines principles that we become generous, but here's a couple of verses that I'm going to leave you with this morning. It's Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you want your heart to begin closing the gap to become who you want, it's important for you to put your treasure where you want your heart to be. That means giving of your finances. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is pretty strong language by Jesus. Pretty, pretty strong language that he would say you can't serve both God and money. That he would identify money as a competitor to God. Do you, do you see the importance that God puts on money? When Jesus says you can't serve both God and money, like he compares money to God because money can oppose God. Now, now money is amoral, okay? M money isn't good or bad. Money is simply a tool, simply a resource. And in the hands of good, it becomes good. In the hands of bad, it becomes bad. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with you having money. In fact, I pray that you are blessed abundantly and richly, and God uh, pours out financial blessings on you even. Uh, I, I'm not the type of preacher who thinks that you should live life in poverty if you're a mature Christian. Okay, I believe that God blesses people, and I believe that we're blessed to bless others, and I believe that the blessings that God gives us are intended to be a blessing to others. So, so, so you're not going to hear me ever preach like a prosperity gospel and say God wants us all to drive Lexuses and, and have huge homes and he wants us to be filthy rich because I don't believe that that's true. And you're not going to hear me say that, that if you want to serve Jesus, you've got to give away all of your money and, and live in a tent out in the woods and, and ride a broken down bike to work just to be able to pay the bills. I don't think that God wants us to live life completely in poverty but God does want us to become generous. And see, here's the thing about giving that helps you grow in your faith. When you give according to the principles that the Bible teaches us, which would be principles of tithing as a standard, that we would give the first 10% of our income to the local church that we attend, that we belong to, whether that's here or somewhere else, when you begin to do that, do you see that in your life, you're not saying, I'm going to pay the mortgage, I'm going to pay the car note, I'm going to buy the groceries, I'm going to get gas, I'm going to pay for the clothes, I'm going to make sure everything's taken care of. And then I get to the end of the month, and if there's no more expenses and I've got some left over, then I'll give that to God. Okay, now there's a difference from that in saying, I just got my paycheck, and I'm going to go ahead and give the first 10% to God. 
And now I've got to trust that he's going to help provide. Do you see what that does to your faith? That it allows you to start growing and trusting in God more because you're putting your treasure where you want your heart to be. And it helps you to begin to trust God more and put him first in your faith. And so some of you may not be givers. And so a next step for you may be to start giving something, anything. Some of you may give something, anything, and you may feel like a next step for you would be to start giving a full tithe. And that would be a step for you to take. And some of you may have been giving a full tithe for years and years. And a step for you may, may be, I need to do something above and beyond the tithe, whether it's something in the community or something in the church or whatever that looks like. Um, whether it's adopting uh, someone from around the world, a child that you can help provide food and clothing for and sponsor, or whether it's seeing a need of someone in the church or out of the church and personally meeting that need. There's opportunities for you to be Jesus and grow in your faith by being generous, by giving, and by starting to give. See, we don't see that as growing in our faith, but the truth is, is that it is. Is that the, the, you giving isn't simply meeting the needs of the church, but it's a form of worship and giving of yourself and actually stretching your faith and beginning to trust God in the areas of your life that are the hardest to trust Him. And sometimes that's financial. Here's a step that um, may not seem important at all. In, in fact, a, a lot of us probably hear an announcement that I make pretty much every week, and it just kind of goes in one ear and out the ear, and you don't feel like it's that important. But a next step that we offer as a church is for you to complete what we call the growth track. Complete the growth track. Maybe you've never heard what the growth track is, and maybe you hear me talk about some classes, and so let me give you a two-minute introduction to the growth track. The Synergy Growth Track is a four-class course by which we ask you to come to four class environments that lasts for an hour and a half each, and we begin to help you mature in your faith. Colossians 1.28 says that uh, we proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone perfect or mature in Christ. Teaching everyone with all wisdom is the focus of the growth track. That we feel like as a church we have a responsibility to help you begin to, developing, to develop in your faith to begin to learn the foundations by which you can stand on so that you can grow in your faith. So four classes. First is Synergy 101. It's an introduction to our church. It's about the heart and vision of our church. It helps you understand the mission of our church and how our church is wired, how you can fit in to our church. The second class, which is offered tonight, is called Essentials 201. It's about four essential habits that every mature believer Uh, practices. Uh, It teaches you to begin to develop spiritual habits that are healthy. Uh, Number three is Discovery 301. Uh, This class helps you discover how God's wired you so that you can understand how you can best be used by Him. It's a spiritual gifts test. It's a personality profile. It's a passions assessment. It's, It's the most practical of the classes by which you discover the most about yourself. And then fourthly is what we call Team Synergy 401. And it essentially is an orientation and training uh, for teams that we offer you opportunities to serve on. And we think if we can get people to go to four classes, an hour and a half each, four Sunday evenings in the course of their year, that we can give them a foundation by which they can begin growing in their faith. 
So when you hear me say Synergy 101, Essentials 201, Discovery 301, Team Synergy 401, I'm not trying to get you to go through a class so that I can brainwash you to think a certain way. It's because I want you to begin growing in your faith. And we believe that these four classes will help you do that. The first four Sundays of every month, we offer these classes. On the first Sunday is Synergy 101. On the second Sunday is Essentials 201. On the third Sunday is Discovery 301. On the fourth Sunday is Team Synergy 401. You don't have to go through the classes consecutively, and you don't have to go through the classes in order. Uh, So this month, you might catch 101 and 401. Next month, you might catch 201. The following month, you might catch 301. We just want you to complete four hour-and-a-half classes at five on Sunday evenings right here at the rec department. And we believe that that can help start the process by which you grow in your faith and become who God wants you to become and who I hope you want to become in Christ. And lastly, number seven, become a partner. Become a partner of our church. There's a lot of churches these days that don't even offer membership. I understand their heart. I understand that it's uh, it's, it's kind of a, a newer generation mindset to not offer formal membership to a church because of what it means. And uh, let's be honest, there are a lot of churches that have a huge membership and a small attendance. Uh, there's a lot of people who are dead and gone that are still considered members in churches and still exist on a roll that people say, hey, we've got so many members of our church. And if they really go through that, there's dead people on that list. So that list really doesn't mean a lot. We don't offer membership for that reason we call membership partnership and here's our heart here's our heart we don't look for names on a list we want to identify people who believe in our church and believe in what god's called them to offer to the body of christ and we say would you consider partnering with us to help accomplish that mission and in partnering with our church you're basically saying i want to participate in the mission of the church So I'll call that church my home. I won't go to different churches. I'll call that church my home. I'll worship there wholeheartedly. I'll invite people to come to that church. I'll serve in that church. I'll get connected in a group in that church. I'll give financially and of my time and talents to that church. I'll love that church and care for people in that church. And taking that step feels a little difficult for a lot of people because because you don't want to feel like things are required of you and i can just tell you you ask anyone in our church that's considered a partner in our church and we never go through and say hey like you haven't given enough or you're not serving enough or you're not in a group this semester and we're gonna have to talk about this we're gonna take your name off the list we don't really do that because the heart of partnership in our church is not that we need something from you but we want something for you And we want you to give yourself to the mission of Christ here, specifically in the local church. And so we hope, we hope that our church can help you grow in your faith by offering some simple next steps for you. There are things that are intentional, that are designed specifically to help you grow in your faith, even if you don't see it that way. We want you to begin to see it that way. And so we want you to get baptized if you haven't been water baptized. We want you to invite someone and experience the joys of participating in the mission of God. We want you to start serving on Team Synergy. You can find opportunities on the back of your connection card just like you can every week or you can stop by the connection tent on your way out. 
We want you to join a synergy group. We want you to begin giving. We want you to complete the growth track. And we want you to become a partner. Here's what I know. If you do all of those things, is it going to make you a perfect Christian? No, it's not. In fact, I would say that you could probably do most all of those things and technically not even be a Christian. So just doing something for the sake of doing something uh, can become legalistic, and that's not what we want for your life. What we want for your life is to offer you genuine opportunities by which you can grow in your faith. And so if you have the correct heart and the correct mindset and the correct motivation, and you take these next steps, and you take all seven of these next steps, we believe that you'll begin closing that gap and becoming who God wants you to become. Your life will look different. It will look more like Christ. And you can be more satisfied in Him because of what He offers that allows you to become more of who you want to become. So the question as we end our time together this morning is, what's your next step? Do you want to begin growing in your faith? What's your next step? Maybe you're doing some of these things and, and you just feel like maybe, man, a step, a next step for me would be to do more of what I'm already doing. But for some of you, maybe it's simply taking one next step. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to pray for us as we end our time together. And I want to ask you just to, just to identify a simple next step for you in your life that would help you to begin growing in your faith, whether it's starting to give financially, whether it's joining a group, whether it's starting to serve and discover an opportunity, whether it's going tonight to Essentials 201 to begin the process of the growth track in your life, whether it's considering becoming a partner, which involves going to Synergy 101, whether it's inviting someone to come to this church, or maybe you just need to get baptized if you've never done that. What's your next step? And are you willing to take that next step so that you can, be growing, can begin growing in your faith and becoming who God wants you to become? So as I pray, would you just identify that next step? Father, thank you for the role of the church in our life. So many times we see the church as something that exists for us, specifically so that we can get something out of the church. But Lord, the more we study scripture and understand the early church, the more we realize that the role we play isn't that church is something that exists for us, but you want us to be part of the church, which means we exist for this world. Help us to begin growing in our faith, specifically here at Synergy Church, through some simple next steps that we offer. I pray that men and women and students in this room would would take simple next steps that would have huge monumental impacts in their life. Whether they begin serving, they begin giving, or they join a group, or they go to the growth track, or they invite someone. Whatever that next step looks like, getting baptized, becoming a partner, would you stretch our faith? And would you help us become in you all that you want us to become so that we together would have a synergy that would allow us to impact this world for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. For that we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.